The Steam Deck is basically what you'd get if a Nintendo Switch and gaming PC had a baby. It's kind of a big deal, and I'm not a gamer. So I brought the host of not one, but two gaming podcasts on to talk about it. It's the Benefit of a Doubt Podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week we're taking a look at a revolutionary device in the world of gaming, but maybe not for the reasons that you think. The Steam Deck is a gigantic gaming system that makes PC games portable. Kind of. But if you've listened to this podcast for approximately 17 seconds longer than the intro so far, you probably know that I'm not a gamer. In fact, Not even 17 seconds longer than this intro, because I literally said it 30 seconds ago in the intro, so just never mind. So in order to do this device justice, I've got friend of the show Giovanni Colantonio and new friend of the show Matt Silverman. Both have their own gaming-centric podcast, which is great because it makes them experts, but it's also unfortunate because I have no business listening to their podcast or returning the favor by appearing on it. It's a great conversation, and surprisingly, I actually don't sound like a complete idiot during it, so that's a nice bonus. Once again, there's no tech yeah for this week, and by the way, also a shortened news segment because I have a shortened week this week, so without further ado, let's dive into the news of the week. Ming-Chi Kuo, Rockstar Apple analyst, and Mark Gurman, Apple reporter, both seem to think that the USB-C port is coming to iPhones next year, and might I say... It's about damn time. So if you're wondering which an iPhone would get first, a USB-C connector or a number row on the software keyboard, it's still very much up in the air, but at least the stupid, stupid lightning port might finally have an expiration date. And fun fact, I still have not plugged in a single lightning cable into an iPhone since 2021. I don't know why I'm proud of that fact, but I am. Speculation has long been that Apple was holding out for a completely portless iPhone, but the EU kind of forced Apple to up its timetable by quite a bit. The EU recently passed a law saying that all phones had to use the USB-C connector in an effort to reduce e-waste, and good for the EU for finally recognizing what we've all known for years, the lightning port needs to die, and soon it looks like it might actually happen. Amazon refreshed its $50 tablet, the Fire 7, adding an extra gigabyte of RAM, bringing the grand total to 2 gigabytes, ooh, and a USB-C port, finally. Of course, it also raised the cost by $10 to $59, which I guess is okay. I suspect you get about exactly $59 worth of tablet for that price, since the older 2019 version gives you exactly $50 worth of tablet. It comes with a base 16 gigabytes of storage, and seriously, I didn't even know they still made 16 gigabyte chips anymore. You can also get the 2019 device as well, but don't, because... It's actually pretty terrible. All told, this is a good upgrade, but I kind of wish that the price had stayed the same. You still can't access the Google Play Store because Amazon favors its own app, Minefield of Abandonware and Garbage Apps, so that sucks, but I guess it is what it is. It's a $60 Netflix box, so you really can't argue too much about it. If you want a disposable tablet that you can hand to your kids and literally not care what happens to it, this is your best bet. If you want something, you know, good... Look elsewhere. 
We've been talking a lot about Elon Musk and his impending Twitter purchase. Well, last week, Musk put the sale on hold when he found out that shocker of all shockers. No, seriously, are you lying down? Because you might get dizzy when you hear this, but here we go. It turns out there are a lot of fake accounts and bots on Twitter. I know, right? Who knew? Well, apparently Elon did not. Elon, have you used Twitter? And of course, I'm asking that question sarcastically because the answer to that question is a resounding, uncompromising, definitive, um, yep. But suddenly Elon's like, what do you mean there's a lot of fake accounts? Twitter itself said that less than 5% of all accounts are fake or bots, but who would know better than Twitter, right? Well, it turns out everyone would know better. So Elon put the brakes on the sale that, let's be honest, he probably didn't want to complete in the first place. Some have pointed to this as evidence that Elon doesn't want the sale because if this turns out to be true, and I can't emphasize this enough, it is very, very true, then Elon can back out of the sale and not have to pay the one billion with a B dollar escape clause. Someone on Twitter replied to Musk's tweet asking if this was a convenient excuse to save a billion dollars and some Musk acolytes were quick to mansplain that a billion dollars to Elon Musk is not that big of a deal, and that person really shouldn't let their financial situation compare to Elon's because... <laughs> Buffy. And yeah, I get that. But it doesn't really matter how much money you have, you usually want to avoid spending it. If you wanted to buy a hamburger and you had a coupon you'd use it. If you wanted to buy a car but decided at the last minute not to buy it and your choices were to pay a $500 restocking fee or not pay it, you would not pay it, right? That could be what Elon is doing here because more money is better. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I get a little too mansplainy for you? And speaking of Elon, you may not know what the S&P 500 ESG index is and that's okay because until today... I didn't know what it was either. Apparently, it's a list of the top 500 companies that are successful while also meeting certain goals for sustainability and friendliness for the environment. Now, the reason I know this is because Tesla, the electric car company that pretty much single-handedly started the whole let's get rid of gasoline revolution, is no longer on the list. Apparently, the ESG people are concerned about factory working conditions and Tesla's handling of investigations into deaths and injuries that have resulted from Tesla's stupidly named and dangerous autopilot. And okay, I get that. I'm not really sure how sustainability and accident investigations are related, but yeah, Tesla does suck at investigations. Well, Elon <laughs> did not take this well, to the surprise of no one, and equally unsurprising is his outlet of choice, Twitter. Elon launched a tweet rant about the whole thing, culminating in one final tweet that, uh, oh wait, guys, are you sure? This is, this is an exclusive breaking news, right? Oh, okay, 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 great. Is everybody sitting down? Elon Musk tweeted that from now on, He's going to vote Republican. Stop the presses. Holy crap. Get the headline team working on this right now. Rich white guy decides to vote Republican. That's going to sell some newspapers for sure. Now, I don't care. Elon, vote for whoever you want. You live in Texas. It's a red state, so your vote, it doesn't matter. I live in Illinois, which is a blue state. And by the way, it's mainly due to that little blue dot in the upper right-hand corner that pisses off the rest of the state so much. But regardless, Illinois is a blue state, so 
my vote doesn't count either. Unless you live in Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Arizona, I don't know, Iowa. I don't really care about politics. Anyway, unless you live in a swing state, your vote doesn't count. So Elon, vote for whoever you want. But speaking strictly from a business standpoint, you might not want to say it out loud. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing. Who do you think buys your cars, Elon? I'll give you a hint. It's not Ted Cruz. Your customers are the very people your Republican voting inclinations might just piss off. So go ahead and vote for whoever you want. But, you know, you might want to keep it quiet. I'm just saying. And speaking of Teslas, otherwise known as Cars Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't driving, another week, another wireless hack, this time targeting Bluetooth, and this latest attack is another one of those that sounds a lot worse than it really is kind of attacks. Basically what's going on is that security researchers figured out a way to basically relay a Bluetooth signal over the internet from an originating device to an internet-connected repeater, thus allowing all kinds of shenanigans, and speaking of which... That's a fun word. Shenanigans. The researchers showed how an attacker could break into a Tesla, start it, and drive away with the owner being nowhere near the car. Smart locks are also vulnerable, and you're probably thinking to yourself, should I go make some pizza rolls to snack on? And yes, you absolutely should. But you might also be thinking that this sounds pretty bad and... It kind of is, but it's not terribly bad. The hack relies on passive Bluetooth detection, so if you have a Bluetooth fob that you hold up to your door to open it, that can be hacked by having someone stand near you and another person standing near your door to unlock it. So already it requires two people working in concert. But if there's an additional action that needs to happen for your door to open, such as a button to press or an app to be opened... You're probably okay, because if you're doing that action, chances are you are at the place that you're doing the action for, not hundreds of miles away. There's no need to open an app on your phone to start your car if you're not, you know, in your car. All the same, though, this is pretty bad because it can't be fixed. The exploit happens at a very low level in the Bluetooth stack, so it can't be patched. But really, it requires two people with home-built Bluetooth repeaters that are also connected to the internet, and you have to have a passive Bluetooth transmitter, and all that has to happen at the same time. Suffice it to say, I'm not worried, and probably neither should you be. If you've looked at my Twitter bio, you've probably noticed that my email address is adam at dowd.org, but what you wouldn't know is that adam at dowd.org is a G Suite family account managed by my brother. Hi, bro! He set up dowd.org a long time ago with a free version of G Suite, and we've been humming along ever since, until earlier this year when Google said, Oh, hey there! Ah, uh, so I noticed you were using G Suite there, and yeah, we're going to need you to pay for that now, and at the moment, basically most of the internet lost its collective poop. It turns out that there were a lot of free-tier G Suite users out there, and they did not like this idea. And rightly so, because in addition to emails and drive space, a lot of those people were using their accounts to purchase content on the Play Store, like games and movies and books, well... All right, let's be honest, probably not books. But it seems that we've gotten ourselves a stay of execution, but only, oddly enough, if we opt in 
to keeping the free stuff that we've all been enjoying. Google sent out notices that people on the free tier can keep the free tier, but only if they opt in and tell Google that they want to keep it. Well, duh, Google, we want to keep it. It's free. Still, Google is counting on at least a decent number of people having already given up on the idea and just simply not opting in, which is great for Google, but not great for customers. All the same, it's good that the Dow.org legacy will live on just a little bit longer. I missed this story last week, so I'm recycling it this week, but Apple officially retired the iPod Touch, and you're probably thinking one of two things. Either you're thinking, whoa, the iPod Touch was still around, and the answer to that is, it was. Or you're thinking, how is it still a thing in 2022, and the answer isn't as weird as you might think. For those of you who are not familiar with the iPod Touch, this was basically an iPhone, but without the phone. It was a multi-touch display that, when connected to Wi-Fi, could run just about any app you wanted it to. Part of the attraction to the iPod Touch was that it was a cheap alternative to an iPhone. Okay, so it wasn't really cheap. It started at like $200, but compared to the cheapest iPhone, it was fairly cheap. iPods don't require FCC certification, modems, or even fast processors, making them, firstly, pretty cheap. But now they're going away. Apple will continue selling the iPod Touch until supplies run out, but after that, it becomes a collector's item, and no, you should not go buy one now. The iPod Touch probably should have been retired years ago, but somehow it persisted until now. So, so long, iPod Touch. I never knew ye, and I probably don't want to. YouTube Music got an exciting upgrade this week. Finally, it joins Spotify as a Wear OS app that is capable of streaming music over a connected account. And if you're thinking that sounds weird, that's because it is. You see, YouTube Music and Wear OS are both owned by the same company. Google. So if you're thinking that it sounds deeply weird that Spotify beat YouTube Music to anything on Wear OS, I agree. It's actually fairly ridiculous that it took this long, but that's Google for you. One of the most frustrating things about Google is that for as humongous a company as it is, it sure acts like a startup sometimes, both in how it doesn't support its own products, to the right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing, and the crushing lack of confidence it has in basically any hardware that isn't a phone. But that's not important right now. What is important is that you can stream music from YouTube Music on your watch now, just in case you think the battery isn't terrible enough. Thanks, Google. And finally, we're getting what we always needed. Off the Bug Spray Company and Google have gotten together to create the Mosquito Forecast Tool. Basically, what you can do is enter your zip code and it'll tell you if the mosquitoes are going to be low, moderate, or please God, just stay inside up to five days in advance. And that's a neat little thing that takes in weather conditions to help it determine how many of the little a-holes are going to be out spreading disease and chewing my legs up. Have I mentioned that mosquitoes are Satan's herpes spreaders? Anyway, I doubt that this forecast will be anything approaching accurate, but it's a fun little website that serves as a reminder that mosquitoes are a-holes and there's nothing you can do about it. And we appreciate that reminder.
If it is fair to say that the Steam Deck has been something of a revolution in the world of gaming, or has it? But that's why we have not one, but two distinguished guests on hand to talk about it. First up is gaming editor from Digital Trends and friend of the show, Giovanni Colantonio. Giovanni, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. It's great to be back. Thank you for inviting me back. You know, it's whenever I get the first invite, I'm like, okay, I'll fool you once. And then when I'm able to fool you twice, that's really an exciting thing for me. <laughs> exactly. And... You'll, the laughter you hear in the background is our second new friend of the show. Co-host of Colette and Matt have entered the chat and producer and co-host of the Two Girls One Podcast podcast, Matt Silverman. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Adam, for having me on. First time, I'm fooling you one first time here, so get ready. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to pretend to have some expertise, but uh, right. we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> It's going to be amazing, and I know that you might not necessarily consider yourself a, a co-host of the Two Girls One podcast, but you are you are. A, Listen, a you know, shots shots fired. Uh, Ali and Lindsay will have uh, words for you, but uh, I'll I'll take it. I'll accept it. Bring it on! I'll take them on the Discord. That's all good. <laughs> So the reason we are here is because Matt recently geeked out on the Steam Deck on the Colette and Matt have entered the chat podcast, which, by the way, awesome name. Um, <laughs> Giovanni, remind me. What's I, I, Again, I'm not a gamer, so remind me. What is the name of your podcast? That's my, why I don't listen to it. Don't worry. My <laughs> podcast is uh, called Left Trigger, Right Trigger. Left Ooh, trigger. Good, and we will yeah. mm, we'll cover name, that at the end of the show. But yeah, we'll go back. Is time. that and is that an official work podcast or is this your own project? No, no, this is my personal hellscape podcast. That is uh, <laughs> an absolute nightmare. <laughs> we Subscribe. don't have an official work podcast. Um, <clears throat> Nick. Anyway, uh, so anyway, uh, no. So anyway, so yeah, that is his side project, yeah. and uh, so we have two gaming podcasters on here with a guy who I play Call of Duty Mobile, and that's about it. <laughs> so I just wanted to talk to you guys because the Steam Deck seems like a pretty amazing thing, and so it's worth uh, it's worth forty minutes on air for it. So let's uh, let's go ahead and dive right in now. Matt, you are the enthusiast, so I am going to go ahead and let you be enthusiastic before we tone it down with the reviewer angle, if you don't mind. So the floor is yours, sir. I want to hear all about your impressions of the Steam Deck. I am a PC gamer at heart and have just been a fan of what Steam and Valve have been doing over the last uh, decade or so. And what got me very excited about the Steam Deck was that it is it appears to be the convergence of a lot of groundwork that they have laid and arguably failed at for a good number of years. And now all of a sudden it's coming together in this one thing. And um, I was saying to my co-host Colette, we had been anticipating the Steam Deck coming on and we were it's very cool. I don't think I need it. I don't think I'm going to pull the trigger. I reserved mine and I was like, push came to shove. I don't think I'm going to need it. And then I did pull the trigger on it. And I'm so happy I did because the thing that excites me the most is not just that it's uh, PC games handheld in your hand. Like like outside looking in, it's like, oh my God, I could play my whole Steam library in my hand like a Switch. And that is fun and cool. But what I realized uh, after tinkering it for about a, with it for about a week and a half is that they've done the work to bring decades of PC gaming, which has been stuck in a Windows ecosystem, 
into, you know, over the hump of a compatibility later into this custom Linux thing called SteamOS. And it is the perfect marriage of um, PC customizability and like, hey, I want to make sure this game is giving me the premium experience. I'm going to play the best version of this game possible with the consolification of everything we love about your PS5 or your Switch of like, just turn it on and play. And for that reason, I am excited because, and, and you know, I, I know Giovanni has thoughts about this. Is this a 1.0 of this new world? Yes. I'm excited not for the Steam Deck 2. I'm excited for the 20 Chinese boxes and consoles and handhelds and doohickeys and janky whatevers that are going to run Steam OS because it's open source and Valve's like, here, world, take it. And if we can, if the gaming industry can take a lesson from SteamOS and put it on future consoles or the way that Google, and I'll expand upon upon what I think are the killer features specifically, you know, in a bit. But the way yeah. that Google was like, we made a mobile operating system and anyone can have it and use it. And it's for phones, but you could also put it on a fridge or a toaster or a game console or whatever the fuck you want. And, and they, they have. have. <laughs> but not just they, like anyone who wants to can do it. What that did for portable electronics, I think SteamOS has the, has the potential for video games. And so I hope to see some of these killer features that are very tinkery and very 1.0 today. I would like to see them in a Nintendo Switch or a PS6 or whatever within the next 10 years. And that's what I'm very, very excited about. Okay. Um, Giovanni, your rebuttal. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's, that's a really interesting point. And the, here's the thing. I'm, I, we're going to agree on most things about the Steam Deck. I think, I think like all the things that are amazing about it are legitimately fantastic about it and so interesting and cool about it. Um, I love it. I, I got mine in February. I've been using it mm-hmm. um, ever since pretty consistently. And I think that that point is so legitimate like the the potential of the os the potential of the device itself where the device could go in like five years really incredible stuff um when i talk about the things that i don't necessarily like about it um they're the here and now um and i think that when you start to get into what the steam deck is right now in 2022 when you when you get it delivered to your door this month um there are quirks with it and there are quirks with it that i think some are in their control and some are not in their control. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it kind of boils down to three main points for me um, of, of criticism against this thing. And again, I think it's great. I use the thing a lot. It saves my life as a games reporter, <laughs> like having my PC library. I could I can go on vacation. Oh, I'm yeah. like, what a, what a concept. Incredible. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, incredible. Um, three things. One is the actual form factor of the thing is not very good like it is it is a huge huge device in my review i mentioned like the buttons are all at the top so the way you hold it is like you know like at the top of the device um i said that it feels like holding a cat by its armpits and i i really <laughs> i really stand by that like you just, i do love that you feel the dead that weight visual. of the thing da- dangling down oh, when right. you play it and you know th- there's all these quirks to it where like the battery's terrible yeah. like we were complaining about the switch having like a three-hour battery life in 2017 right this thing dies in like an hour like depending mm-hmm. on what you're playing on it um mm-hmm. it also has like a really loud vent on it um it has all of these like experimental features on it it's like really um 
they're changing it on the fly. They're changing things about the OS on the fly. Uh, the Linux browser is cool. It's also extremely confusing sometimes. Um, you know, if you happen to run emulators on it, um, you can do it. Very cool. Not without a little bit of resistance, though, you know, and, and things where you're kind of like, ah, this is this is not as easy and, like, seamless as you would kind of hope it would be. Um, it's an experimental device. And, and I think that, like, what I've kind of told people who are like, oh, I, I haven't gotten mine yet is, like, the longer you wait, the better the device is going to be. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. I'm so happy that I was a Q2 recipient yeah. because the improvements in the OS since then Way have better. been... Wait, monumental. Yeah, and, and not only that, and this kind of bleeds into my second point, which is game compatibility. Um, mm-hmm. The way the Steam Deck works, uh, Adam, as you, as this is a whole new world to you, is that like yes, you it can, is. You can play any Steam game on it. In theory, in theory, you can do that. Not necessarily in practice. There's a whole process called the verification process where Steam has to go through and play each individual game and tell you if the thing actually works on Steam Deck, um, whether okay. or not the, you know, just how compatible it actually is, like how well it actually runs on the device. Um, obviously, there are more games than any human being could ever play on Steam, and any human being should play. So, so you're not going to get like a thorough, like every I'm single trying. game, you know. Uh, I'm trying to get them all. Yeah, we're trying to get yeah them Matt, Matt put you know a what call it? to his Discord for games that uh, people he that people wanted him to try just to yeah. see if he could play See if it works. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what I'll say about it is that I've had a lot of experiences on it where, like, I play a game and realize, like, I should not be playing this game portable. It does not work portably because <laughs> most game designers aren't who are making games for PC aren't designing for a 7-inch screen or however big the Steam Deck screen is. So that's that's kind of my two main points. And the third one's a little more philosophical, which is that, like, I think it's really cool. I also can't help but feel like it's a little bit of a stopgap technology. I think when the Switch yeah. came out in 2017, the idea of taking your games on the go was really novel and like no nothing was doing it. In 2022, we're kind of edging towards the point where your phone can just do that. Like we're getting closer yep. and closer to that. And I am at the point where I'm like, the really revolutionary thing for me is just Steam on your phone. And you don't have to buy a new device. But That's exactly right. Yeah, and, and, and so yeah. that's that's where I differ on like, um, the idea of like, I, I don't want to get too like head over heels about it because I'm kind of like, this is a gigantic clunky device and I, it would be cool if my phone could do it instead. Like, yeah. and the switch is outdated, you know, like the switch right now it's, it's five years old and people are like, the, the tech is aged, you know, it's, it's not like a super powerful thing. So, so those are my three like main points where I really like the device. I don't think this is actually like the future necessarily, but I think it's great right. for right now. <laughs> So I want to I want to transition back to uh, Matt's point about uh, Steam OS and you know uh, tw- uh, uh, two hundred Chinese boxes all running this uh, this operating system, and I want to flex my mobile muscles a little bit um, mm-hmm. by pointing out you know you made the comparison to Android you know mm-hmm. Google put out Android and said here go do what you want with it you know go get out of our face kid just go play with this <laughs> and. Google has spent arguably the last six years reining all that in now. Like, oh, okay, you, okay. you've had your fun, kids, but let me show you how you're supposed to do it. You know, um, you know, it's kind of like you know when you when you give a, when you give a bunch of kids like a bunch of hammers and nails and stuff like that, and you just say, "Here, go have fun with this," and then like five years later, you come in and say, "All right, now let's talk about how to build a house." And why are and they so, doing that? What what what's changed? Uh, Apple, <laughs> largely. Okay. Um, okay. You know, yeah. Google can't be Apple as long as it lets you know as long as it lets the inmates run the asylum, basically. <laughs> so, um, 
so yeah, they've been really uh, you know pulling things back and saying you know and all the knockoff Android stuff that you'll find these days are running ancient versions of Android that Google stopped caring point. about five years ago. Um, so I, I just kind of wonder if if Steam is going to try to retain some of that control. Um, or if Steam should try to retain some of that control, maybe, I mean, Android obviously proved to be a very successful model because it's on, I don't know what the last statistics are, but 70% of the mobile devices in the world, 75, 80%. And so, you know, I kind of wonder if Steam should just let the uh, inmates run the asylum for a while until it it starts bringing things back, until it starts tightening things up, you know, just Uh, tighten them up a little bit. I love I love that perspective because that's something that I'm not super plugged into in the news cycle the way the way you are. But um, I think I think two things. One is that the Linux has a different origin story and a different culture. So I think there's there's a bit of there's a bit of that going on. And number two, I, I think the answer is ultimately 10 years 15 years is what giovanni said of like can is there a we have bridged the gap to a to a windows operating or to a windows gaming operating system to now run on anything quote unquote i'm putting right. big air quotes for for <laughs> anyone listening on audio so is there a way for my phone which runs anything ios or android to then run a, a steam os app that i load up and then can play any historically Windows and or emulated and or whatever device yeah. natively from my phone. And I think the answer is like, give it five to 10 years and we will get there. And mm-hmm. then so the other thought that kind of um, germinated naturally uh, on the show that I on, on the podcast that I host with Colette was like, Oh, I see the future of gaming. And and Giovanni alluded to this also. We everything is we came from a world of like here's Nintendo, here's Sony, here's Microsoft, and now Microsoft is saying play anything on anything. And you have Nvidia saying play it from the cloud and do this from the cloud. And mm-hmm. here's Steam OS coming in being like look at this device that's large but kind of small and it's Windows to Windows PC, but it's not. So now I see the future of gaming as open your phone and you're either playing from the cloud or you're playing some sort of compatibility layer natively that merges every game ever made into one ecosystem. Now, will corporations yeah. say, thumbs up, that sounds great? Absolutely not. They're, not, they're gonna be dragged into this kicking and screaming, but we see the Microsofts of the world being like, whatever, as long as you pay us 15 bucks, right. play it anywhere. Absolutely but, true. Microsoft has written a guide, and I, Giovanni probably knows this, has written a guide to say, we don't officially support the Steam Deck, but here's some bullshit Edge browser workaround to get <laughs> xCloud working on this thing. Right. And people in the community are like, oh shit, it works and it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> and Microsoft's like, yeah, do it, we don't care. Yep. That's the future I want. And I know it's a tinkerer's future. To Giovanni's, to Giovanni's point, would I recommend the Steam Deck to nine out of 10 video game enthusiasts? Absolutely not, <laughs> but it portends and an exciting future. 
Well, and also, I think it's arguable to say that the Steam Deck may be a large piece of hardware, but it ain't no six and a half pound gaming laptop. Yeah, you yeah. Know, if you want to, if you want to travel with this thing, if you want to stand in line at the DMV and bang out some Elden Ring, you can if you want to. Yep. Uh, maybe yeah. you don't. Maybe you shouldn't, but you can. And, and I'll say, yeah, at, at the DMV, probably a bad idea for Elden Ring. Uh, I, I can't think of a worse place to play Elden Ring, actually, if I if I had to make a list. So yeah, like I. I like the Tinkerer's Future kind of, like, uh, vision that you're putting out there, and I, I think that, like, this is a great stopgap to that, and if this enables people to, like, figure out how to make the, the portable PC work, and if SteamOS enables more devices to do that, like, that's awesome. Put SteamOS in my TV, you know? <laughs> like, whatever. Put it in my yeah, TV. That, exactly. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I want to I want to circle back to uh, some of Matt's thoughts from the uh, the the entered the chat podcast because you were talking about you know how the ability to play games anywhere isn't necessarily the most revolutionary part about this device but it's actually like the settings that are built in like you normally you know normally you're not like oh baby let's see those settings but you uh you kind of sold me on it so um so go ahead and uh and show me those settings baby and you, i've, I've you got a dollar here for your for your for your steam deck string i don't you know guys if this is true, but. you guys want to see the settings but most people don't and here's why this is exciting and i'll i'll tell you the parable from the reverse end which is when the reporting about the uh, the Switch Pro was coming out, and like this was remit outlets and really heavy hitter journalists and influencers, and it's like this thing had to have existed and it just got stuck somewhere and we'll see what happens. But all the spec reporting across all the the journalistic outlets were like, it's a Switch and it's got a nice kickstand and it's going to do 4K. And I said, <laughs> I don't care. Is it? I don't want 4K. I want it to run games better because from a console experience, to Giovanni's point earlier, we just want to get a game and want it to play as the developer intended it on the form factor, you know, and it wanted to perform really well. We want to get that great experience and we don't want to think about it. And I am frustrated across a variety of con. This is why I'm a PC gamer consoles come out with games and it's like put it in and play and it runs like shit and it's a bad port from pc and it's a ps4 but it only runs at 30 frames per second and i know i'm a snob about that stuff but it's like (laughs) this should be an amazing beautiful experience and i have been burned so many times by shitty switch ports that don't deliver and i'm like damn i should have just played this somewhere else and i'm telling you this story i'm referencing this because I touch, I get the Steam Deck, and it's obviously more powerful than the Switch, but to Adam's question, there are settings about resolution, scaling, and frame limiting that absolutely turned my brain around on how to solve the problem of how do we play Elden Ring on a phone or on a handheld device, meaning this is a game that was made for a PS5 or a PC, but when you bring it to a handheld it's not going to run well. It just won't. And now there's a button on the Steam in SteamOS that's like, you know what? Why don't you limit the frame rate to 30 frames a second instead of 60? And you know what? If you run it at 720 or 540, a lower resolution than what the screen is showing, but then you use AMD's technology to scale up the uh, the the resolution scaling, which is like the sharpness of the image, you can then 
run the game at a lower resolution, run it much better, and it still looks like it's in 1080p or whatever. It's not perfect, but it's a way to solve the how do we cram horsepower into a mobile device from the other end. I was thinking of a good analogy the other day. It's like, I need to drive a car as fast as possible from here to the end of the road. And it's like, well, if I want to go faster, I got to put a bigger engine in it. And I'm like, I just can't fit a bigger engine in this car. So I guess we'll never get there in 10 seconds. And what Valve has done is said, what if we make the road shorter and then we can get there faster? I'm going to expand on your analogy a little bit by saying, what Please. if we made the short road shorter, but we used um, perspective design so that it looks like <laughs> it's it's still longer? That's Wiley right. Coyote yeah. is yes. painting the tunnel. <laughs> that's a really that's a really good analogy too, because when you're playing it on a small screen, you don't mind that it's not in 1080p or right. 4K. So we have engineered everything around a game to be the perfect PC ultimate game experience that you want from PC gaming and it's a toggle. If I wanted to if I if my PC was not good enough to run an Elden Ring, I'd have to go into Nvidia's control panel, select the game, limit the frames, change the resolution. Does the game have settings in the game? No. All right, I got to dick around with all the settings. And now the Steam Deck is just like it's two yeah. buttons. Enjoying this interview? Did you know that there are over 10 more minutes of time where we talked that ended up on the bonus version? The full interview is available to all of my patrons right now over at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. For as little as $2 per month, you can get in on the ground floor of this podcast and help support the show. Plus, you'll get additional benefits like access to my Discord, early podcasts, bonus live shows, and so much more. Just go to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. That's patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. And if you don't want to be a patron, that's okay too. Full interviews become available at the beginning of each new month. So, for example, trimmed interviews in January will have the full versions on February 1st. I don't want you to miss out. Just head over to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt and you can listen to the full interviews even if you don't subscribe because I still want you to love the show. There are more great options for helping me out at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. That's benefitofthedoubt.com slash support. You'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. I hope you visit. I hope you take in some full interviews. And as always, I thank you for listening. We and did then, it. And then I believe you pointed out on, on the end of the chat podcast, like you have to do all that and then go back and hope that the game actually runs. And like, and if it yeah. doesn't, you have to go back and monkey with it some more. And then, yeah. And then, right. Yeah, I, I'll say, like, I, I agree with... This is, like, the really big point about the Steam Deck that I think, like, is the biggest win in its column, which is, like, the idea of a, a console that actually has PC-level customization is, like, actually the novel concept of this thing. It, you're right, it's not the being yes. able to carry games around thing. It's the, like, I can open up the performance menu on the side of the screen and look at the frame rate, like, live. Like, whoa, that is something that, like, is so simple but like i can't do that on mm -hmm. any console you know like that's never been a thing that you can do outside of a pc right. like you can overclock your steam deck i'm pretty sure which is like <laughs> okay sure yeah great like and from a consumer point of view it's like if you buy a 60 dollars game from nintendo and it runs yeah. like shit ba bad news good yeah. luck. but but here i can buy it for 20 dollars 
And if it doesn't run great, I can have control over how to yeah. fix that mm. problem. And I love that. It's not for everyone, but I think it's really powerful. Yeah, I mean, really it important. really is a device that is for, like, hardcore PC people in that way. Like, I think, like, very casual gamers who just want, like, a Nintendo Switch are not going to be as enthused by this thing because of all the problems I mentioned. Um, you know, it, it has yep. all these, like, weird quirks. But, like, it's kind of not for those people. <laughs> like, it really is for the hardcore PC people who, like, love PC gaming have never wanted to admit that they like console gaming secretly. You know? <laughs> like they don't, they don't want to admit that they they kind of want a Nintendo Switch, but they're like, I could never say that. I'll get kicked out of the group. <laughs> it's like this. This really lets them have that experience and still feel like, but I'm still a PC gamer because I can like fiddle with my settings and do my stuff. And and that is, uh, I, I totally agree. Like the amazing thing about the Steam Deck, 100%, that is the actual headline of this thing and not the like, I can play Elden Ring on the go because end of the day, you shouldn't play Elden Ring on the go on the screen. Like, don't, I know you can, but like, don't just come on. You know, one thing that we haven't really talked about so much we've we've spoken very philosophically about the steam deck but i don't think we've really gotten into the like the nuts and bolts of it like because because you know we're talking about you know especially with with pc games a lot of those are mouse and keyboard based like you know i my son is always like you know doing this thing with like the thing and the mouse and the thing so like how does that actually work on, on a steam deck i mean like there's probably a certain level of assumed knowledge that we probably should have established at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> now that we're 30 minutes in, let's actually talk about it. Um, yeah. Like, how does how does it actually, like, do all that? Yeah, I can I can speak to that a little bit. Um, so, first of all, like, a lot of games map to, to a controller gamepad set up really well. Um, you know, the Steam Deck has controls on it, like any... Nintendo Switch would that it's you know the triggers and the and the two joysticks and it has back buttons which by the way it has back buttons like what a cool mm-hmm. thing that like is on this <laughs> system like that is that is amazing um, the one feature of it that is really cool though is that it also has trackpads on both sides of it um, so like there are trackpads on it where they act as a mouse so if you have a game that oh, is okay. like very mouse dependent um, you have the flexibility to use those. And that's another really cool thing that we haven't gone into here yet, which is like Mm. the reason that this is designed the way it is, which is like kind of awkward and big and all the buttons are pushed to the top is because they're trying to give developers as many options as possible to make control settings work. And like, I've used the trackpads in games that, like, you know, you want a mouse for, and they work really yep. well. They're a little haptic, mm-hmm. you know, so, like, you, you get a little bit of that mm-hmm. as well. Um, mm. It just gives you the options, you know? And also, I mean, it's a touchscreen, too, and, yep. and that's that's another part of it. Like, it is... Okay. It's three control schemes in yeah. one, and that's, that's an amazing thing about the system that um, really goes under the radar. Mm-hmm. Like, it has the capability to adapt pretty much any game to it. Um, there are games that I've played on it that, like, I love on PC. They're great games. I play them on a keyboard and mouse, and suddenly I'm playing them on a touchscreen, and I'm like, oh, my God, yep. this is a revelation. Yep. What, incredible that this just works. Um, so so that's kind of how it handles that. I mean, the, the answer to it is that, like, it is flexible enough as a device, control-wise, that any game is going to pretty much be able to adapt to it when it comes to controls, there are other things that don't adapt to it so well necessarily. Are you going to want to play like a real-time strategy game that is like a million windows and everything is like a centimeter tall? Absolutely <laughs> not. You monster. Right. Don't do it. <laughs> don't, don't do it don't to yourself. It. But but it'll control right. Um, and, and that is something that is like really magnificent about this thing. 
it comes at the expense of it being an awkward design, and that's the only thing. Like, because you're trying to force these game these uh, mouse pads onto it, you're trying to like push all the buttons up to make everything fit. Um, but you know that is kind of what happens with the territory of, of doing that. And I think the payoff is worth it. If I'm being honest, like I think the awkward awkwardness of the controls is worth it for that. Um, but I imagine like a Steam Deck 2.0 is gonna clean that up a little bit a little bit more. Does it dock like a Nintendo Switch? Can you like connect it to a larger monitor if you wanted to? Yep. But then I guess the question is, should you? Because aren't you kind of missing the point then? I am with you on that. I agree with you, Adam. But um, but people do it and they use it as a Linux PC. And I, I yeah. don't have a use for that. But I think it's pretty cool that you can. Yeah, and and think okay. of it, think of it like this, Adam. I mean, like yeah, it it does defeat the purpose in a certain sense. But also the point of portable devices like this, these hybrid devices. The idea isn't, oh, you can take your games everywhere you go, as in, like, you can be on the train and play it. The idea is you can take it everywhere you go. The idea is the flexibility of it. So the point of it is, like, I can go on vacation to my parents' Cape House or something, right? I go to Cape Cod. There's no—I'm not going to bring my PC, right? I'm not going to bring my PC on a train. I want to play games, but, like, I still want the PC experience sometimes, you know, like Mm -hmm. if I'm out, I still want to like hook it up to a TV and play it. Usually you can't do that. And you have to choose between like, oh, I have to bring a laptop and play it on a small screen or I have to drag my PC and monitor, which is unrealistic. The fact that you can dock it like doesn't defeat the purpose because the idea of it is like, yeah, it's it's a computer that you can bring anywhere and hook up to any screen, mm-hmm. um, or you can play it portably. Like that is that is really the main appeal of it, more than the like playing it on the train thing. It's yeah. it's more about the flexibility of like anything, and that's what gaming's moving towards in general. All these companies, Microsoft, you know, uh, Nintendo, these cloud gaming services like Stadia and Luna, it, it's not about like playing it on your phone it's about playing it on any device you have it's about like loading it up on your tv it's about loading it up on your laptop it's about like whatever um and that's the actual future of gaming the way i see it is like yeah the one device you the one device or platform or you know subscription service you have like wherever you go if you are in like a hotel and there's a tv there ta-da you can turn it into a gaming system suddenly and like that's what's so exciting and the idea that the steam deck can dock like it doesn't defeat the purpose from that perspective i wanted to add one more thing about the control scheme because it is quite extraordinary um and it's it's going back hey valve has been doing a lot of cool stuff in the background and now it's all coming together um the steam uh the steam controller it has its fans and devotees (laughs) but was a was ultimately i i presume a commercial flop or never really caught on um, but the legacy of that is Steam input or whatever, which is like, um, as Giovanni said, oh, I'm going to play this keyboard and mouse game. The haptics feel really good. Oh, it's a mouse and keyboard. Oh, I can do everything. But you know what? I, it's a little awkward to like click the mouse with the tr- the default settings. I'm going to click the mouse with the trigger. I don't love that. Wouldn't it be great if I could click the mouse with the X button or with a with a with a press on the haptic pad? You can change that on the fly as well because of the Steam OS layer, the input layer. And also, there's like 600,000 community layouts made by Steam users for 10 years who are like, yeah, I've been playing this game with the Steam controller. I've been playing Civilization on a, on a controller. Here's how I use it. And it's, it's ready to go. And you can just download that input or that configuration, rather. Yeah. Use it. Do you like it? No, try someone else's. Or modify one thing. 
again, that tweakability makes anything, any game ever made instantly playable yep. on the Steam Deck. And I'm obviously putting an asterisk on that because it's not, <laughs> right. that's not really true. Yeah. But like, it is theoretically, hypothetically true. And that's rad. And, and not mm. only that, the other thing that we haven't even touched on um, is like, <laughs> also, it's all like cloud cross save with your Steam account. Yes. So like, yes. you can sit on your couch with the Steam Deck and play a game, turn it off, walk over to your computer, boot up Steam, and your save file is just there. Right, Correct, and yeah. that's the other part of the flexibility is that since Steam yep. have a PC ecosystem, they can carry these things over, and that's something the Switch doesn't do because it's just the Switch. You know, you can't right. bring your PC uh, saves, you know, to the Switch and back unless cer- uh, certain companies have did it. Certain it. companies, yeah. yeah, but but it's not like largely a thing you can do. Whereas it is a thing that happens on every single game on this device, just yeah. flat out. Um, yep. And that's part that's part of that flexibility aspect too. Yeah. Well, I also have to think that, and and you, this might have been the point that you were making, but I'm just going to spell it out a little bit more yep. clearly while my dog makes some noise in the background <laughs> because he's a big jerk. Um, but it sounds like uh, what you're saying is like one major advantage to Steam as opposed to Nintendo is 10 years from now, as long as Steam exists, the games that you bought today are still going to exist and you'll Correct. still be able to play them. 10 years from now, who knows what a Switch cartridge is going to look like? Right. You know, and so if you bought like the physical cartridge for, and I go back to like you know Atari days, so that's what yeah, kind too. of work where I'm coming <laughs> from. You know, backwards compatibility, but who knows if a Switch ten years from now is going to be backward compatible with the car with the cartridges? Forget that you the cartridges. Today. I go, I when I had to do the calculus of whether to go buy cartridges or go digital, I always prefer digital because I don't like having stuff around. And B. Right. If there's any hope of backwards compatibility, it would be digital. And even then, I I could there's say no guarantee. With, there's no guarantee. There's no. almost not only is there no guarantee, it's highly unlikely that the the whatever comes after the Switch will play Switch games. Yeah, and it's that sucks. Happening. Yeah. It sucks. Well, and, and you you raise an interesting point because as you know, computing architecture changes. Yeah. It's very possible. It's very likely that a game built today for you know x64 architecture i'm just making shit up uh, <laughs> so i might be i might be using proper terms or not um okay you know what here i can say uh you know um arm architecture for like a mobile mm-hmm, game yeah. who knows if we're still using arm architecture 10 years from now and so it, it, you know if if it stands true those games that you buy today will have to be recoded for the new architecture in right. the future um, but valve did the work to jump from one architecture to another. And that show of, they could have just dumped Windows on this thing and shipped it out and the mm-hmm. nerds would have been fine with it. But oh, yeah. they did the work to bring one ecosystem into a totally new ecosystem. And like like we said, 98% of the games pretty much work. Yeah. And that's, that's mind blowing awesome. to me. Yeah, I can't believe awesome. it. Well, you know what is mind-blowing is that we are already at the end of this show. Can you believe it? It's mind-blowing. Ah. I can't believe we've gone this far. But So I want to just, I mean, we don't need to, like, we don't have, like, a hard stop or anything. But I want to get just some final thoughts about the Steam Deck from both of you. And since we started with Matt, I'm going to go with Giovanni first for this one, and then we'll let Matt take us home before we uh, roll out the red carpet for you guys. Yeah, final thoughts. I mean, I think it's a great device. I really do. Despite a lot of my criticisms with it, um, I think if you are somebody who plays a wide range of PC games and you 
have just always wanted to take it on the go without having to get a gaming laptop, like, you actually want something portable, um, it's kind of a no-brainer. Like, it really is just, like, something that makes sense, especially if you're somebody who loves the idea of the Nintendo Switch and just wants that for more games. By all means, it's great. Just know that it has quirks. Know that when you buy it, you are signing a pretty experimental contract. Like, it is a device that is still <laughs> that is still being tinkered with constantly, and, like, updates are being pushed to it constantly, and, like, games sometimes work on it, and sometimes they won't, or, like, you'll open them, and they'll, they'll have some weird quirk to them that's, like, not exactly great, or that you can't read the text on screen. Like, you have to go into the Steam Deck not thinking... I can play every single game I own on this. You have to go into mm. it thinking, I'm going to play the games in my library that work on it. <laughs> and if you readjust your mind to that, um, I think you will not be disappointed by it. But if you're going in expecting to like play every single like next-gen new release game and like have it work perfectly, I think that's where you're going to run into problems. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, it, it is a really cool device. I really do like it, despite... Um, you know, problems with it, it, despite thinking that it is maybe a little bit of a stopgap to a greater tech um, down the line, um, I recommend it. It's it's really great. If you can get one, which that's a whole yeah. other struggle, if you can mm, get yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Speaking of which, I'm still going to bug you about that play date, even though... Oh, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Ooh. <laughs> now, so, do you have one, Giovanni? Oh, Are you I reviewing do. it, or have you? I, yeah. oh, I, I've been using it for a couple weeks now, and you want to talk about a great little console i mean it's it's a total gimmick and it's it's very cute but i i could so talk cute. that's a whole nother episode it's a very cute did device. you write about it or i did we or have is a review it personal of, device good i have a review of the playdate up on digitaltrends.com and a review of the steam deck up on digitaltrends.com yeah it's a very good review <laughs> a very good i'm going to check out your review of the playdate too because i'm waiting for mine we'll see it's very cute all right uh matt silverman your final thoughts on the steam deck not the playdate even though it is tempting no uh, the playdate um my <laughs> final thoughts are that this device has changed the entire landscape of of gaming for me, a a passion, a hobby that I take very seriously and care deeply about. Um, And it has has given me this strange paralysis of choice of Mm -hmm. like, I, I typically block time in my life to like I'm gonna dive into this because I'm really excited about it, and this is my time to play this game. And now I'm like, I could play anything anywhere. The world is. I don't your know oyster. what I could. I don't know what to do. And that's a that's a lovely problem to have. And it's it gives me. I'm echoing a lot of the sentiment that the Steam Deck community is talking about right now, which is, um, I've I've fallen back in love with PC gaming because of this device, and I'm very excited about it, but also as we discussed, uh, the future of, of this ecosystem. So, uh, awesome. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So now is the time when I will roll out the red carpet for you and you can tell the, uh, tell the fine folks listening how they can find you on the internet and all the passion projects that you're <laughs> proud of, you know, whatever you want to share, the floor is yours and we will start with Giovanni. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mario prime. Uh, you can read my writing about video games at digitaltrends.com. And if you like hearing me talk about video games, I do do a video game podcast, as we alluded to at the beginning, called Left Trigger, Right Trigger. Um, it's very goofy. Sometimes it's very serious, and sometimes it's very goofy. But we do talk <laughs> about video games. Uh, it has a lot of bits. It has a lot of uh, absurdity and goofs to it. Um, but if you like hearing about uh, about video games kind of torn apart and dissected in, in weird ways, uh, that is that is what that show is. Yes, I do. I will be subscribing myself. <laughs> All right. And Matt, it is your turn. 
Uh, thank you so much for having me, Adam. This has been really fun, and uh, it's a pleasure to, yeah. to be with you. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, Matt underscore Silverman. And uh, as we alluded to, uh, Colette and Matt have entered the chat. Is uh, the video game show uh, sounds similar to Jitch's? Um, Colette Bennett and I. She is one of the OG Destructoid writers and podcasters, and she has been covering the games industry. Uh, and I've been covering uh, tech and been a passion, a fan of the games industry for so long. So we we really just geek out about why we love this this medium uh, and talk about uh, emerging trends and really just what we are playing uh, at any given moment. Um, and as as Adam mentioned, I do produce Two Girls, One Podcast, which is about internet communities. It is about, hey, people who find each other and, and communities that exist because before the internet, they could never have gotten together. And now it's just people passionate about, you know, video game archaeology or collaborative art on Reddit or trolling people in the comments of Yahoo Answers. It's like whatever is weird <laughs> and strange and beautiful it, we want to cover it. So uh, Two Girls, One Podcast, and you can check those shows out uh, in any podcast app that you listen in. I'm looking forward to the Two Girls, One Podcast episode about the, uh, the Steam community. Uh, that will they're... unlikely. That's unlikely. Oh, <laughs> oh, come on. I'll try to convince well, you them. Know... We, we've done a few. Talk, we've done a few gaming shows, and the one that I love the most is about um, video game archaeology. A legit archaeologist doing his PhD excavating uh, forgotten settlements in No Man's Sky, which is a very a game wow. that I hold very dear to my heart. Wow, that's, amazing. that's pretty cool. Cool, right? Yeah, that's awesome. He's a he's yeah. a cool dude. He's a cool dude. Nice, nice, very cool. So, um, thank you both for coming on and and talking about uh, the Steam Deck. It was awesome to have you both, and I think uh, I got to I got to say I think this world's colliding thing is going to be prophetic, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing each of you on each other's mm. podcasts as well so as that... mine in the future. So, for now, that is now that I've planted that <laughs> seed, that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast if you enjoyed it, and if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you would write a review for the show. If you want some early access, jump onto Patreon at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. You can write to the show by visiting benefitofadoubt.com slash contact. I'd like to thank Matt and Giovanni for coming on and talking about the Steam Deck, and I'd like to thank co-producer Cliff for all of his hard work behind the scenes. But most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving us the benefit of the doubt. <laughs>